Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome inside the Red Dirt Golf Hour. Jared Gallagher, TJ Eckert, and Spencer Drury with you on this beautiful spring Oklahoma evening. The PGA Championship is complete at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. And who'd have thunk it? It was Brooks Kepka taking home the title in the $3.15 million. Boys, uh, a lot of storylines in this tournament and a lot of fun to watch all weekend long. Spencer, you were up in town a little bit uh, here in Tulsa to watch a little bit with me. Um, what are your opening thoughts on how the PGA Championship went in, up in Rochester? I woke up at the Gallagher House on Sunday morning, slightly, very minimally dehydrated. And my dehydration was cured by the salt displayed on social media by the PGA Tour. Oh, beautiful. Horrible. I'm coming out. Slinging right here. Let's go. PGA Tour handled themselves like children all weekend long. <laughs> it wasn't even their the tournament. It's not even their championship. It's still a major. They're still covering it. Like the DP World Tour and everyone covers it. They just did so horribly. Uh, hey, speaking of Twitter things that happened, did you see that the DP World Tour was hyping up Victor Hovland? Like he spent a day on the DP World Tour in his entire <laughs> life. Well, and I got a I got a response because I to your to piggyback off you, Spencer. I I I put out a couple posts making fun of the PGA Tour for literally on Sunday one post during the tournament about Brooks Kepka, who won one post, and it was at the turn. It was the updated leaderboard through nine holes. And I got a comment because their post after they after he won was basically, and you had a great response too, Jared, was basically like a losing team posting the final score graphic. It was, it was literally like final. Like that's what, like if a team loses, that's what that's what they post, final. That's what it felt like. That's what the PGA Tour did. Uh, they didn't even include an exclamation point. There was, there was no congratulations. There was nothing. But so I, I screenshot their post and the PGA Championship post and posted like, that's that, what I just said. Side and I got side, a, yeah. yeah. And I got a comment that said uh, they didn't they didn't mention Brooks Kepka all week on their PGA Tour Facebook page, which PGA Tour Facebook. That's like Facebook is where like that's where the people live. Like the people oh, love man. the love talking smack on Facebook. And they didn't say his name a single time all tournament long until they won. Who, that's who, incredible. The demographic that is following the PGA Tour religiously on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> not ours well the guy who, the guy that's funny though the guy who told me that his name is christian potts i think he's i don't want to misjudge his age but he's not he's not old he's in his 30s probably so it, it's more it's a younger crowd than you think apparently hmm. but yeah we'll have, so, that's, well, we'll have to check the pga tour tiktok account and see see how that went this week can't, but can't imagine was, he's on there yeah it was brooks kepka that got it done down the end the uh the hometown favorite if you will victor hovland Third straight top 10 in a major, guys, but couldn't get it done. Had a bit of a, a fiasco on the 16th hole that kind of sealed it for Brooks Kepka. I don't know where you want to go with this first, but um, I guess start with your thoughts on Brooks Kepka and, and him getting it done down the stretch and on a really difficult test all week long. Honestly, it felt like the Brooks Kepka of old. It felt like Brooks Kepka back when he was winning there at Shinnecock, when he won at Bethpage. Just those kind of tough difficult tests and this guy is just kind of bigger and better and brawnier and grindier than the rest of the field that's kind of what it looked like this week he just kind of hung around hung around hung around and then down the stretch he just kind of lit it up and that's and that's what he did and so I was nice hearing 
from him saying he how much he learned from losing the Masters back in April. Like that's sometimes that can go either direction. Like yeah. guys, when they blow a lead, they could fall off the planet. But he learned from it, and and I mean, he really finished strong this weekend to win the PGA. And I don't know how you guys felt about full swing Brooks Kepka. Like I I enjoyed him. I felt like he was open and honest and was transparent because he told us he told Netflix that. He didn't think he would be able to really compete with some of these guys again. Like he sure. felt like his competitive days were not over. And maybe he was just being dramatic. He's not one to be dramatic though. So I kind of liked that. I kind of liked the fact that he was open. Like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to beat a Scotty Scheffler every single week. Yeah. And and then he came out and and did it. So uh, it, it was impressive to say the least. I thought it was great. Um, I, I, don't, I go back and forth on Brooks. Brooks always seems like someone that, could be really likable if he ever just tried remotely to be likable, but he, I don't think he cares though. He does not. I don't think he does either. He reminds me, and this is a, I hope that our listeners don't take like offense to this comparison or anything like that, but I feel that he is like the Baker Mayfield of the P of, of golf where people just like, he gets under people's skin, but if he's on your team, you absolutely love him. And if you're like maybe a, a parent, like that's kind of the drive that you want your kids to have, where you want them to be competitive and you want them to always want to win, you know, things like that. And um, I don't know. That's the kind of a, a weird uh, maybe comparison, but. So, so if he's, if you're a fan of smash GC, you like Brooks, but if you're a crushers <laughs> guy, you hate Brooks. Is that exactly? Yeah. Very similar. Okay. Ian Poulter. Every one of them. <laughs> right. I will say uh, really quickly for uh, there was multiple people on social media asking where Jenna Sims was. Uh, Claire Rogers from I think it's Golf Digest or Golf.com, who's fantastic. Great follow said that uh, she was at a Sports Illustrated swimsuit uh, shoot. So she was not <laughs> she was unavailable for the PGA oh, championship. So it's, it's, can it's you a shame. Take Claire seriously on that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Claire is she's funny. I, I'm assuming I'm assuming she's right because her tweet said, "I hate that I know this." So I think that's I think <laughs> okay. yeah. I think it was pretty awesome. Sounds like good it. evidence. We'll trust it. Yeah. So that's a so really quickly just to, on a rebuttal. Brooks doesn't have that kind of like that outlandish personality like Baker did, right? Like Baker was so out there with his personality and out there with his confidence. You would call it arrogance or cockiness. Um, Brooks doesn't. I don't feel like really. He doesn't really have that. Now the you hate him or you like him thing probably makes sense, but okay. So maybe it's not Baker. Maybe it's Jalen Hurts. Okay, that that's that's not bad. Yeah, Jalen Hurts at OU was very quiet and uh, very like laid back and and yeah, yeah carried himself. Sent probably soon. He didn't I, care I what you felt. He didn't care how you felt. That's a very good comparison because yeah. Jalen did cared very little about what you thought about. Yeah, him. I I would say that Brooks cares very little about what people think about him as opposed to Baker Mayfield, who thinks very highly about what people think about him. So I think he's very self-conscious about that, but neither here nor there Brooks Kepke gets it done. Uh, I thought, you know, he had some scramble moments uh, here on the final round. He ended up going, I mean, shot 72 on the first day, went 66, 66, 67, and very easily could have had three straight 66s. Uh, so he wasn't making it easy on the field by any means. I mean, Scotty Scheffler had shot a 65 on the final day. Cam Smith shot a 65 on the final day. I think a couple of guys had putts for seven, 64s, I believe. Uh, but I mean, you, you look at, as we transition over to Victor Hovland guys, I, I want to talk about him for a little bit. 
guy shoots a 68 on Sunday of a major championship and loses by two strokes after shooting that. I mean, that was his third straight or his third round in the sixties. And then he shot even par in his other round. So had a great week. Victor Hovland did. It's just like, man, he seems to have one or two stumbles throughout his rounds and he just can't overcome it. Or, you know, he can't go out and score. I mean, that door, that door was open the whole time, but it was a very slim crack in the door that Brooks Kepka was giving him all day long. I had a uh, buddy from UCO. His name's Phil, Phil Easterly, if you're listening. Uh, he has already put it out there, and I'm going to put it out there for him. That way we can all laugh if he's wrong, saying that he thinks, and he's an OSU fan, and he likes Victor Hovland. He says that Victor Hovland will never win a major championship. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to contrast that. I think Victor Hovland will be the next OSU major winner. Okay, I that's kind of what I think. I mean, I don't I don't know who I else. made that proclamation when he when he went pro. I had one of my buddies, Zach Wilkerson. Also, if you're listening, I know you're not because you told me this weekend you don't listen to the pod. <laughs> wow! So if you happen to tune in on this one, Zach, this one's for you. He said that Matt Wolf would win a major before uh, Victor Hovland did, and I, I'm just I'm not. Yeah, so right you yet, have freezing cold takes on I'm that one. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I just Hovland. I, I think he has a better. So he made the comparison to, from Hovland to, to Ricky Fowler. And I kind of butted back on that saying that Hovland's got a better major championship DNA. Like Ricky's more kind of flash, but yeah. Victor is just an incredible ball striker, really good driver of the golf ball. He's a good putter. He's a clutch player. His one thing that's held him back has been that short game. And he's really gotten a lot better with that. And so I, I, I think he's got the more, and the mental makeup. I think he's got the pieces to, to win a major championship. To, to Jared's point, you're going toe-to-toe with Brooks Kepka, arguably the best major championship golfer of, what, the past five, six, seven years? So it's like you're not going up against a rookie here. You're going up against one of the better major championship golfers of this era, honestly. Was that his fifth? Was that his fifth major? Yeah, it was fifth major, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean. Did you, see, got, did you he, see the list of guys who have more PGA championships than him? Uh-uh. It's like Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods and Walter Hagen, and that's it. Yeah, that's it's like that's and that's who he's going up against in the final round, and, and he's crazy. paired with him. Yeah, so it's not like he, not like he lost. He did not. Victor Hovland did not lose the PGA Championship. Brooks Kepka went out and won it, and eventually, Hovland, you keep putting yourself in that position, you're going to go out and win one yourself. Well, and I love Ricky to death. I think he's an incredible human being. But let's be honest, Ricky wouldn't find himself in the final pairing of the PGA Championship on a Sunday. Fair. He may he may have a late tea time on Saturday, or <laughs> but we know we've we've read this book before. I I hope one day that he will turn that around and and prove me wildly wrong. But Victor puts himself into positions to to win a major. It's just going to take the perfect storm for him of the right course, the right weather, things like that. I, with his game, I don't know if the PGA Championship would ever do it, but I do think that maybe. Talking about uh, Victor. It's an open. Yeah. I think Victor wins like an open. Um I could see him winning a Masters. I'd seen I could see him winning a US Open. As, as well as he played the USAM. I could yeah. see him winning right a US, US Open. open course, yes. I think it heavily depends on the course. So back to Fowler really quick. Uh, my buddy Phil said that he's finished top five in a major eight times. Can, Is this your point? Yeah. Can I make this point real go quick? Go ahead. Yeah, go because ahead. So go back to 2014, right? That's when Ricky Fowler finished top five in all four majors. Yep. He finished T5 at the Masters, T2 at the U.S. Open, 
T2 at the Open Championship and T3 at the PGA Championship. That was nine years ago. Ricky Fowler was 25 years old. Go back to the last three most recent majors. Victor Hovland has placed in the top 10 of those three majors, been in contention, all three of them. He's 25 years old. So we can't always say that, you know, oh, his time's coming. His time's coming because all of a sudden you're 34 years old with a wife and a baby and you're over the hill like Ricky Fowler. Are we talking about Victor Hovland or you? I'm talking about I'm talking I'm talking about Ricky Fowler. He sounds so depressed. Having a wife and a baby, and and not seriously contending in major championships anymore. Yeah, I get that. That's and it's a really good argument too because I believe right. So he's those four, and then he has four others the rest of his career. So he has eight right. top fives. Yeah. So it's just like he had one good year and then kind of littered some other top fives here and there. So that's it's a fair argument and. To your point, Jared, how many times do does someone win on the PGA Tour or come close in a major, and the the final putt drops for that guy, and we're like, well, we'll be seeing him host a trophy here soon. Like oh, his his that's, time's that's coming. That's the main talking point. Yes, every single time. And so, it, I mean, it could certainly be that way with Victor Hovland, but it just feels like again his championship DNA, Spencer. It feels like he's going to win one at some point. Well, as an Oklahoma State uh, guy, I am naturally. A pessimist and jared just <laughs> felt like a dagger in my that heart was? Any, any lingering optimism i've ever had towards <laughs> any osu sport it was like hanging on by a thread of victor hovland and <laughs> uh, it, it's done how 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 many major champions are there from oklahoma state i know the answer but jared go ahead and let people know uh one one the illustrious golf program of oklahoma state which is you could argue it is. It, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's one of the top three or five, probably top three programs in America. Historically, one major winner, one major championship. Yeah. For playing, and that right? shows you, and that shows you how hard it is to win on at, at professional golf. It's yeah. so hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I to mean, have any sort of longevity doing it. It's incredible. Yeah. So I, I think, I still think he gets one. And if he wins one, he could win a lot. Um, but you just you gotta it's gotta be the right recipe. So yeah. we haven't even talked about Michael Block yet. Dude, hey, Brooks Kepka may have won the PGA championship, but Michael Block won the people's championship. <laughs> he won over everybody's hearts. We, that guy is so cool. Should we talk about Michael Block in the in the next block? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Let's take a break. Here on the Red Dirt Golf Hour, when we come back, we'll talk about Michael Block, PGA professional who won over America's hearts at the PGA Championship. That's coming up next on the Red Dirt Golf Hour. Welcome back in to the Red Dirt Golf Hour with Jared Gallagher, Spencer Drury, and TJ Eckert. We are recapping the PGA Championship at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York, where Brooks Kepka takes the title and the $3.15 million prize. But guys... Guess who he's trailing in the last two weeks money list by nearly a million dollars? Who? Dustin Johnson. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> With his four million dollar paycheck in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, you're dang right. And you can t- you can throw his thirty five thousand dollars on that he won here at the PGA Championship this week. So, uh, but boys, the the story of the week came in the form of a PGA professional named Michael Block out of California, Southern California, Arroyo Trabuco Golf Club. But did I hear that he was from uh, Frisco originally? I don't know. I, I think I, he's from St. I thought he was from St. Louis. 
I don't know. He's a man of mystery, but he <laughs> is he is in all the spotlights in the golf world right now because he is the darling of professional golf. So if people didn't if people didn't watch, you don't understand what we're talking about. So a PGA professional is basically someone who works at a golf course. That's their job. They are not a professional golfer. So when you say PGA professional, that just means they're certified by the PGA of America to right. work in golf. So, so like basically he runs a golf shop and teaches lessons. Yeah. So like Dane Williams, he's I think the either director of golf or head pro at Lincoln. So Dane, if you're listening, shout out. Shout out. Dane. But Dane, that would be like Dane Williams going out to Rochester and finishing T15 or what. Well, so yeah, here's the crazy part is there are guys out there who are, you know, former tour members who yeah. are now PGA professionals that do JJ, all this JJ Killeen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, guys that ha have that experience, even here in Oklahoma, Tim Fleming, you know, he is yeah. he he is very competitive on, you know, trying to qualify for these events and stuff. Tracy Phillips. Tracy Phillips, absolutely. Michael Block said he hits a bucket of balls a week. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> he is literally competing against, against the best of the world. Sunday, final grouping with, or final pairing with Roy McIlroy. Like, that's Incredible. just, it's just crazy. And he, and he dunks an ace. He made a yeah. hole in one. Uh, so, so I wanted to ask, I, I, want, I wanted to ask you this, where, I mean, that to me is one of the most memorable single shots that I've ever seen in a major championship. Yeah. I don't know where I would rank it, but I mean, when I think about, you know, all the major championships that I've watched, you think of, you know, obviously, you know, Tiger chipping in uh, at the masters and you think about, you know, just all of these iconic shots that is going to go straight to the top of the list for me. How cool is that? Considering the story, the fact that he dunked it and didn't even realize that he, he had to ask Rory if it went in. Rory, did that go in? It's incredible. So in terms of like relevance, it the shot itself meant nothing, right? Right. Because he, he, he didn't like vault into a, a contention or anything like that. But it got just, him back to even on the day. That's true. In terms of just <laughs> sheer moment and storyline, I mean, you couldn't write anything like yeah. that. I mean, it's impossible. So I'm, I was trying to think, and you guys could chime in, what – for people who don't listen to or don't know about golf, where does this – is this like – would it be like an offensive coordinator going out on the field and playing quarterback <laughs> in the NFL and and playing well? Would it be like uh, a hitting coach in Major like League if, Baseball? Like, like if Cliff Kingsbury came in as backup quarterback and actually played well? Kind, kinda, but Cliff Kingsbury played in the NFL. So well, it's that's like true. Michael Block has – he said his largest paycheck before this week was seventy thousand dollars in a golf tournament. And I think he made around three hundred grand, right? For two hundred eighty-eight thousand okay. three hundred thirty-three bucks. So, yeah. so really quick, I'll, I want you guys to answer that question. How? What is this? How do you compare this to another sport? So people who don't follow golf may understand. But he finished t fifteen, so he gets into the twenty twenty-four PGA Championship, and then he just got a sponsor's exemption into the Charles Schwab Challenge, which is this week down at Colonial. So. Uh, just a fantastic story, but again, I don't know how you would describe it to somebody who doesn't maybe follow <laughs> golf. I don't know. It's, t it's tough to find a, you know, a a relevant comparison, right? Yeah. Well, I I've got one. Okay. Okay. You guys remember back? Okay, so I, I looked up the year because I couldn't remember. I, I was going to say a few years ago, but it was in 2018. There was a guy that was an accountant that played. I think it was like college hockey, and. He was a backup goalie. Oh yeah, for yeah. Uh, the Blackhawks. Yeah, and he ended up getting called. I do in. remember that. Yeah, 
and had like three like monumental saves. That's and, right. Uh, Good call. I got, he didn't get. I don't think he got like a contract or anything like that. But he was an accountant. They got called in to live action uh, on the on the rink. Like it was. That's the closest comparison I can think to it. Yeah, that's good. It, I it it it's kind of like Mike Leach putting out a call for a kicker on Twitter, <laughs> and then and then putting a guy on scholarship. <laughs> so so I've this is way off topic, but this is just a, sim, a, a similar comparison to what we're talking about. There's been people who have been clamoring for years that at the Olympics to put in a random person into each event so we can see how like good these, yeah. yes to see how good these people are at at their sport. It's like that's that would be what it'd be. That would be what it would be like for one of us to go out and play at the PGA Championship. That's not the exact comparison we're looking for. Right. But that's Could you say that it would be like one of us going out and playing Southern Hills and just shooting an all-time high? It would be. It would be very <laughs> similar to that. Six shots out of one bunker? Yes. Oh. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, that's just low. That's low. If you'd like a full recap of Dang. our Southern Hills Southern Hills round, that's a, a pot exclusive. You can find that on our website. Shout out, buddy. There's a reason <laughs> I'm still here today, and it's buddy. I <laughs> I just <laughs> go buddy. I just think it's there's just not a comparison. It's just crazy to me how he was able to I mean he beat John Rom. Uh he was playing oh in the final. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Smoke John Rom. I mean, the the list of guys that he was ahead of, right? Xander Shoffley, Patrick Reed, John Rom, Colin Morikawa. I mean major major champions. Jordan Spieth, Harold Varner who has been playing lights out recently, you know, Dustin Johnson, who just won Dustin here. Johnson. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. So good for him. Michael block was, I, I think I put on social media that for me, that was the story. And that's not even a slide yeah. on Brooks kept because that's a phenomenal story in that the live versus PGA thing, which is crazy to me. But I think Michael block was, was kind of the story did, of the tournament. Did you see after the, you know, I think Brooks was walking off the field or off the field, off the 18th green and all of his, minions were coming up to hug him or whatever and michael block met him about halfway from the clubhouse and brooks said i hear the drinks are on you tonight nice <laughs> i thought that was pretty cool that's good um, and i was going through his um his transcript from his post round interview and they were talking about you know have you had a chance to you know call back home or whatever he's like no not really you know uh my wife is mad at me because i only ever cry about golf I never cry about anything else, but she said she's mad at me because I didn't cry when my kids were born, when my children were being <laughs> born. But the last three times I've cried were all about golf tournaments. That's, That's great. Oh, I love it. He's 46, I think. So, yeah. you know, so just again, Phil, Phil won the PGA at 50, right? Or 51. So it's like, that's five years. So it's not that old. And he doesn't play for a living. It's right. Just... Also, also, Phil is one of the most prolific majors, uh, major competitors in the game in yeah. history. Right. So for somebody to, he's only played in seven professional. No, se was it seven major championships or seven professional tournaments? I, I wasn't think sure about so. that. So he's played. So he played. He had mentioned he had played in the American Express out there at uh, uh, Palm Springs. I think mm -hmm. he's played at the Farmers. He may have played at the Genesis. I don't know how that was pop, but he's played. Right. In, he has played in PGA Tour events, but he's also qualified. He played in the PGA Championship in Tulsa. Yeah, because he yeah. said he he said the moment he felt like he belonged playing in these tournaments is was in Tulsa because mm. he was playing. I think he said two groups ahead of or a couple groups behind Tiger. It was the day one or day two because it was Di Tiger, JT, and Rory, and so every hole was like eight ten deep, and he shot. I think he said he shot seventy three. 
and wow. and the conditions out there, he thought it was a, he said it was a great round, and it was yeah. in front of all those people. So he felt like that's kind of what made him think that he belonged out there. A really, really cool story, Michael Block. We get to see him again this week at the Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth. Um, real quick before we go to break, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought of the course, how it played. Um, Oak Hill, obviously, yeah. you know, a historic Donald Ross, it, Andrew Green redid it. Um, but, it, you know, similar to what they did at Southern Hills, you know, it was kind of a restovation is what they've called it, you know, modernized it, but also went back to a lot of the, the principal tenets of sure. at Southern Hills, Perry Maxwell, but at, at Oak Hill, it was Donald Ross, but Andrew Green, there were like three brand new holes that he had built number six being one of them. And boys, that was a tough hole. It was, I, I think the course itself, um, there's a lot of question marks kind of coming into it. I, I think that we're obviously very biased with Southern Hills being recent and everything like that. But we talked about this uh, last week around PGA championship, their courses and everything like that. It was a, it was exactly what you kind of expect from, uh, from the PGA championship type course. It was very natural. Uh, the rough was pretty thick, but um, everything around the course was just very like aesthetically pleasing. I just thought that it had kind of that very old school, old school feel, but not, manufactured difficulty uh I, I thought the course really was uh the shining uh example here and then the weather the weather was pretty fascinating too those guys really had to grind through a torrential rainstorm <laughs> saturday was rough. saturday they they honestly yeah. it was perfect for what probably rochester wanted in terms of it got a lot of wind the first couple rounds it got a really tough rain day on Saturday, and then Sunday was was pretty good weather, and they and the guys took advantage of it. So I I, I was going to ask you guys about comparing the co- the courses, and I since we're talking about this, I think this is good. I felt like I still think Southern Hills is better. That's yes biased, but I I just think I like the test of Southern Hills more than I like the test of Oak Hill. That's not saying Oak Hill wasn't hard because it was very hard, but I like the tests that Southern Hills presented because of all the short grass. We think we talked about that a little bit last week and how. I just like all the opportunities to see the ball roll out a lot. Now, there was yeah. short grass around greens at, at Oak Hill, but there was a lot of long rough as well. I also thought it was interesting how they lauded the bunkering there at Oak Hill and how tough it was and how penal it was and how much right. they enjoyed the challenge and how it's a true hazard when at Southern Hills the bunkers were a true hazard and people griped about it. That was a problem, right. I don't know. It, it's weird. And I'm, you know, I'm going back, I'm trying to compare the two. Cause obviously way more rough at Oak Hill than way at Southern more. Hills. Um, the bunker styling is way different at Oak Hill than at Southern Hills. Uh, the Creek comes into play probably more often uh, at Oak Hill than Southern Hills, way more lost balls at Oak Hill than Southern Hills. But at the end of the day, you know, you go back and look at the scores from last year, you saw 64s, you saw 65s, plenty of them at Southern Hills. But the final score to par was the winning score to par was five under mm-hmm. to get into the playoff. Yeah. And Brooks won at nine under at Oak Hill. And so, you know, to me, that's a testament of a tough but fair course where you can go out and score, you know, go low, shoot 64 like Mito Pereira on Friday of last year. Uh, and then it comes back to bite you. You know, you've got to play four very, very consistent rounds of golf. At Southern Hills, it felt like the scoring that they, the opportunities they had was because the weather was tame. And then once there was literally any weather at all at Southern Hills, it ate them alive. Now, there was, was it Friday? 
Friday or Saturday or both days when the wind flipped around to the north. Maybe Saturday. I can't remember. Southern Hills. Uh, Saturday is when it, it flipped to the north and it was kind of dreary. Yes. And it, but the wind was blowing hard. So, and I, you know, Justin Thomas, he went 67 67 to get to the weekend and he goes and shoots six, uh, excuse me, 74 yeah. on Saturday and then has to come back and, and burn down the back nine on yeah. Sunday to get into the playoff. I just remember on one watching guys tee off on one and guys having like flip wedges into to one on like Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Was, Bryson had, like, hit like three eighty yeah. off of number one. Yeah, and then on on Saturday guys were hitting like six irons into the green because of how strong the wind was back into their face. So I I, I think Oak Hill is a great test. Um, I still like Southern Hills more. Speaking of driving the ball three hundred and eighty yards, where did Adam Scott find his distance? <laughs> His khaki outfits, his monotone his clothes. It, it, the power's his in the pleats, right? <laughs> his pleats. Uh, I saw someone, uh, Someone. I think it was someone from No Laying Up. I'm trying to remember how they called it, but he was wearing gray. He was wearing all gray, and they had a phrase for what it was, and I cannot remember they, what it, it was. They, they said he, it was on Saturday. He was wearing his rain gear, and they said it's very fitting of Adam Scott to dress up like a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's good. That's yeah, good. he. Uh, yeah. They also call him a uh, the Tanimal quite a bit. Tanimal's good. Uh, I love it. Yeah, and he had great. Maybe it was. I can't remember what the gray was, but are we? Uh, do we need to? Since I won, should we go ahead and do our picks from, from uh, last week? Yeah, let's do our picks. Yeah, we should. Uh, good. I know I won, so that's why. Congratulations! I you won what? Four out of five. TJ, you did win. You get this. Uh, get this pulled up here. Uh, Rory the McRib. Um, man, that was a. A question up in the air after day one, right? Full disclosure, yes. Full disclosure to everybody listening. I picked Rory because I thought he would be confident coming in. And I on Tuesday he had his press conference and he oh, sounded like so fast the up. most negative person in that press conference. And I immediately text both of them, Jared and Spencer, and I was like, I immediately regret this pick. He sounds awful. And then he sucked to start out on Thursday, yeah. but he battled back and then he and then he ended up playing well. So good for Rory. Yeah. Battle back. That was good to see. Um, Jared went with uh, another no laying up reference. The butcher, John Rom. Uh, man, after his first round, seven over, he was he was kind of hovering, kind of right, right there around the mm. cut line. So for him to he had to go low to one cut, Friday. Yeah, that was uh, incredible there to see. Uh, and then I went with Cam Young, safe pick, New York native. Thought it was going to be a slam dunk. He had a great showing at last year's PGA, uh, and he didn't make the cut. So, uh, TJ, in first, back on back on top. You uh, you're peaks and you're just like peaking and battling. I haven't uh, finished second yet. I don't think. Yeah, I haven't finished second yet. Uh, you got you got three points, Jared. You got two with John Rom, and I got one with Cam Young. That brings our uh, season long total to Jared still in first, twenty four point five. I'm still in second, 22.5. TJ, big climb, 19 points. Oh, okay. Still can't take the lead next next week. Yeah. Chuck Schwab, but you can gain some serious ground. I so can. that being said, you get to pick first this week. Who are you going Thank with? Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Charles Schwab challenge there at Colonial. I, I like Colonial. Old school course. Is yeah. it a Perry Maxwell? He... He, okay, from what I understand, he submitted as there were two design submissions. Okay. Um, Leonard submitted one and Maxwell submitted one. And from what I understand, they kind of took a little they bit blended. of both. 
Yeah, but he did work at Colonial after that happened. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I thought that was right. Okay. So it's a good Something tournament along those lines. Don't don't quote me on that, but cool. That I that I thought I remembered him having a little influence. It is a so classic Parkland course. It's beautiful if you've never been down there. It's like Have built not. into the built into a neighborhood right off of uh, TCU's TCU. TCU. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Okay. I'll actually be there. I'm uh, I'm caddying for. Uh, Southern Hill pod guest, Brendan Morris. He's playing in the Pro-Am on Wednesday. And uh, I'm catting for him in that. We're going to wow. go down. Rumor has it that we're getting to play nine holes with uh, – uh, he's playing. I'm walking. Playing with uh, Billy Ho. So All right. Be, I don't know who the other pro is that we'll be getting paired up. They do two pros. You get one per nine. But, yeah, Billy Horschel apparently is a favorite. So Fingers crossed for Michael Block. Oh, How speaking- cool would that be? Speaking of Michael Block, before I get into my pick here, uh, PGA of America's headline for their tournament recap, which I think is good. We should have said it. Kepka wins the Wanamaker. Block wins America. Mm. Oh, love That's it. good. That's good almost stuff. as good as my opening line to this segment. You're right. You did a great job with that. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, you're a pro. Okay. So, Colonial. I'll pick first. There's really nowhere really to look other than Scotty Scheffler. So, Scotty Scheffler's going to win. Played well this week. Honestly, kind of struggled on Sunday, kind of fell out of contention, but battled his way back into it. Now he's going back to his home state. feel like he's going to play well. Tough going back-to-back like that, but I feel confident that Scotty Scheffler is going to play at least well enough to give me a chance. Jabo, That's a good choice. Um, I'm going to go with a guy who has donned the tartan plaid before, back in 2017. I'm going to go Kevin Kisner to win. Um, I I feel like that's a little... You know, maybe a little bit out of left field, but knowing how much he likes, um, you know, courses that are gettable for him, um, you know, he he's had success here before. He, I think he won, yeah, he won 2017. He beat Sean O'Hare, John Rom, Jordan Spieth by a stroke seven, six years ago, whenever that was. So okay. I'm going to go Kevin Kisner. He's going to get a second tartan plaid, which by the way, is the best uh, winning jacket that you can win on tour best looking jacket that you can win on the PGA tour. Is it better than, uh, Harbor green? I like the colonial plaid better than the Harbor town plaid. Okay. Personally, green jacket is, are you not considering that PGA tour? You, you would never wear that out in public. You could wear the colonial tartan plaid anywhere. Are you joking? Be a hit. Phil Mickelson literally wore his through a drive-through. Okay, when's the last time somebody wore a green blazer to anything? I wear a green sports coat every Masters week on TV, so bite your tongue. Just the look of disdain on your face right now. I wish that our viewers could see it. (laughs) Or listeners could could see it. Anyways, okay, we're gonna we're getting off topic here. I am gonna go with a guy that has donned a wearable trophy this year. I'm hoping that the uh, the sport coat does not look like he bought it at Baby Gap, like the red sweater did. We're going uh, Kurt Kitayama. Uh, we didn't talk about this in the PGA recap. How in the heck did no one show him the entire final round? Um, just, I think he's coming off a heater. I, there's like three or four names I think you could like wash, rinse, and repeat and throw in in here with the pick. Scotty was one. Victor's another, um, but yeah, Kurt Kitayama, he's going to win it. Yeah, the uh, Arnold Palmer blazer thing. And just <laughs> it's not a, a good card look. again. <laughs> Pardon? 
It's a cashmere red cardigan. Pull over. A hot link. You take Arnold Palmer's name out your mouth. Pull over. He looked like a Schwab dog in that thing. It's a cardigan, but thanks. There you go. Someone got it. Oh, boy. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, uh, let's grab another break. When we come back, we're going to talk Corn Ferry Tour and get some sound bites uh, from Media Day for the Compliance Solutions Championship at Jimmy Austin Golf Club, Norman, Oklahoma, later in June. That's coming up after this on the Red Dirt Golf Hour 1077, the franchise. Welcome back inside the Red Dirt Golf Hour with Jared Gallagher, TJ Eckert, and Spencer Drury. Guys, uh, I had an opportunity before we get to our next piece, the Corn Ferry Tour Compliance Solutions Championship. I had an opportunity to head up to Shangri-La over oh, the weekend yeah. and check out the Battlefield, which is their new 18-hole par 3 course. Yeah, I was there right at daybreak before anybody got out on the course. I got some really, really cool photos. Uh, but more importantly, I got to walk the course by myself, which was Super, super cool. Justin May, the entire team up there, Yano, the entire team has done a tremendous job of getting that ready. I would last time I was up there was September, uh, early September, and they just laid sod and there was no clubhouse, no cart barn, nothing. It was just wow. they had a concrete pad out there. It's all up, it's all running. They're doing a hundred and forty plus rounds a day already out there. Um, wow. and it is it, it, it is so cool. It kind of plays into a valley a little bit. 14 of the 18 holes play in and out of this valley. Uh, if you've ever been to Monkey Island, Shangri-La Resort, it's beautiful up there. Anyway, you should go. But um, that 14 of the holes play inside and out of this valley, kind of following this little creek. Um, and it's really cool. They've got some blind shots, um, some short holes, some really long holes. In fact, there's two holes on the back, guys, that it kind of opens up and you, and you play your way out of the valley. And the 15th hole, I believe, is like 230-yard par three over water into a south wind, totally exposed. So it's got some bears as well. It's not just, you know, it's not a little pitch and putt mm. course. It's it's a it's a really unique property. We've got some photos up on our social media. Uh, you can check those out on Twitter at RDGC underscore OK or follow us on Instagram, Red Dirt Golf Collective, uh, and you can see some of those photos and stuff. We'll also get... Um, there's, we're going to have a lot of content coming up with Shangri-La. Um, they're going to be a great partner with us and, um, we're going to do some really cool things, um, hopefully, but, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I just, I had a great time out there this weekend and they, they treated me very well and they'll treat you very well, uh, as well. So you got up there at daybreak. What time did you leave from Tulsa? <laughs> Saturday morning, I got up at about 445, oh. got up there. So it's only from my house, it's 59 miles but it takes about an hour and 40 minutes to get there because I've got to go like around uh, where the Patriot is and through the Port of Catoosa and then hit the turnpike and go up. Yeah. And once you hit Vanita, you're only like seven miles away, but it still takes about 20 minutes to get out there onto the island and everything. Yeah. But uh, once you're there, man, it, it, it's it's hard to believe that you're, um, you know, if, if anybody's ever gone up to Branson and experienced Johnny Miller's courses up there, the big Cedar lodge courses, um, it feels a whole lot like that. And I promise you it's a whole lot more economical, uh, <laughs> than going up and playing those big Cedar courses. How miserable is Jared Gallagher to be around at four 45 in the morning? <laughs> I can't imagine when I'm by myself. It's not so bad. <laughs> you can tolerate yourself. I can tolerate myself. Yeah. We're miserable at 9am. I don't even want to see you before that. Shangri-La Shangri is a cool place for us up here in Northeast Oklahoma, but I know we have a lot of Oklahoma city listeners. You guys need to make the trip. It's, it's really, oh, absolutely. it's really nice. They've done a great job up there. 
Battlefield's just adding to what is already 27 great holes up there at Shangri-La, and it's on the lake, so it's like yeah. you can hang out on the it, lake too. If it was good enough for Mickey Mantle, it's good enough for you, I promise. Nice. Good call. Um, Corn Fairy? Let's move, yeah, let's move on. Let's talk Corn Fairy Tour Compliance Solutions Championship coming up at the toward the end of June at Jimmy Austin Golf Club in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, Media Day. TJ, you're out there for Media Day. Uh, we want to hear some sound bites, right? Yeah, so... You know, Corn Ferry Tour came in, did a quick media day, had some players available. Corn Ferry Tour reps were there, uh, Compliance Solution sponsor guys, they were all there, and they're fired up about this tournament. And so, you know, I think we are too. I think Oklahoma's going to be a good host oh, for a yeah. Corn Ferry Tour event. Great players coming in, lots of local ties, so it should be a lot of fun. So, got quite a few sound bites from some of the players, some of the the reps there from the Corn Ferry Tour. So, I wanted to play some of those. So, let's just hop in and 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 let you listen to some of those really quick. It was a conversation that started uh, with Charles Candler about nine years ago. Um, Hunter Haas, one of our past players who was on the the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour for a long time, um, had kind of brought it to our attention um, and said, "Hey, this would be a, a great thing, uh, not only for." The University of Oklahoma and, and recruiting and for the state of Oklahoma and, and we reached out and, and we did we said you know this is something we'd be interested in it didn't work um, COVID happened um, and then we you know it kind of got tabled for a bit uh, and then the conversation came back up about a year ago and, and it was it was looking like a 24 start um, and then there was an opening in the schedule um, and they said, do you guys think you can be ready in, by 2023? And I said, absolutely. That voice you just heard, Tyler Woodward, the general manager out at Jimmy Austin, saying it has been a long process to get this tournament here to the golf course and saying it is a five-year agreement with Jimmy Austin and the Corn Ferry Tour and Compliance Solutions. So it's pretty cool uh, to see that. He did mention as well that they've added a tee box on the 16th hole. And overall, the course will play about 7,500 yards, a little over 7,500 yards for those Corn Ferry Tour guys. Another thing that was pretty cool, especially locally here for our guys, uh, Brandon Hoff plays at Oral Roberts. He's a senior, just graduated, actually just turned pro. And this will be his first event as a professional golfer. He got a sponsor's ex exemption because he won – a college event at the Oaks Country Club there in Jinx. It's called the Clerico and Compliance Solutions. That company, the owner and the CEO, went to ORU. And so he was a sponsor for the event and gave a sponsor's exemption to the individual winner at the Clerico. And that was Brandon Hoff, who plays at ORU. And he's got some pretty good vibes here at Jimmy Austin, actually. He holds the competitive course record, shot that in an event think a couple of years ago so here's a funny story from Brandon about holding that course record there was a, a GCAA event hosted out here at Jimmy Austin um, and we played the first two rounds and actually uh, a current uh, corn fair member Quade Cummins uh, had just finished his second round and he shot 64 uh, and had just gotten the course record um, and we had played 36 holes that day and he wanted to, to wait to sign the scorecard and um, you know, get his picture taken for uh, his course record to be put up in the clubhouse. And um, I, think, I think his course record probably stood for about nine hours and then I played the next day and shot 63. And, and uh, at the time, <laughs> at the time uh, I was a Baylor Bear and I wrote uh, second bears on my, my uh, scorecard because I knew it was going to be posted in the, in the clubhouse. And you might be thinking, competitive course record, what's that? the difference between that and any other course record? Well, competitive is obviously during a tournament. The actual course record 
is a 59 held by Patrick Welch, who plays at OU. He's a Sooner. He shot that in qualifying. That made the rounds on social media. And, again, Brandon's got another funny story about talking with Pat Welch about that record and comparing the two. He gave me crap, um, and, you know, <laughs> news spreads fast when someone shoots 59, and uh, I, I found out real quick, but I give him a hard time saying that, that I actually have it in competition. So uh, it's just playful banter. All right, so you guys should be primed and ready for the Compliance Solutions Championship coming up to Jimmy Austin and Norman at the end of June. I did play Jimmy Austin. They just hosted a regional as well. It is going to be tough. I do think that they're going to play pretty well there. It's scorable. It's gettable. The regional scores were, I think, lower than a lot of people thought they might be. But, you know, they they built some tee boxes out there for these guys because they know some guys, these pros are coming in and can hit it a mile. But Jimmy's a pretty long course as is. So, anyway, that was a fun And time. it's going to be June. It's presumably going to be a little bit drier, a little bit windier, a little bit right. hotter. So, right. we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Should be a lot of fun. If you guys want to watch pro golf and be able to get up and close and personal with some of the games next great players, most likely – that's your time to do it. So that just about does it for us here on the Red Dirt Golf Hour. Uh, let's close it out, guys, with a final thought from each of us on, um, I, I don't know, either Oak Hill, the PGA Championship, uh, maybe what you're looking for at the U.S. Open coming up at LACC next month. Um, you know, a lot of big golf still coming up uh, here on the PGA schedule, live schedule. They're also playing in Washington, D.C. coming up here very shortly. So uh, let's get your final thoughts on uh, maybe the PGA Championship and moving forward. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens, guys. Now that a live golfer has won a major championship, does this at any in any way, shape, or form bridge the gap between the PGA Tour and live? Did it just cause even more of a divide? I don't know. I'll be curious to see what the long-term effect of a live golfer winning on the on a major championship what that'll do for for the game. I would I would imagine that it it'll kind of ease tensions a little bit. Bryson DeChambeau said it validates everything that lives about having a live golfer <laughs> win. So Bryson standing up for Brooks is shocking. Uh, he was he was there off the 18th green. I know. Crazy. So that's what I'll be I'm curious to see what happens from here. What yeah. happens now that a live golfer has won a major? Do the majors keep letting these guys come back because they obviously can compete and win in them? Right. So I don't know. Seems like the PJ Tour is kind of on an island right now. I think now that we're over that hump, we're going to see everything kind of start tapering off. We're still going to see both sides on social media and everything like that, but um, I think it'll start to kind of taper off. It'll be less and less of maybe a thing. But I'll say my my parting thought is. I was reminded today of just how bad golf television coverage can be. Uh, I did not enjoy it. We probably, uh, it's a lot more than a parting thought, but uh, just following the live like I have this year, they've just got a, uh, the television product figured out slightly better. And I was disappointed to see that down the stretch today. It's also, and not to refute that completely, but it's also easier to show 48 guys than it is, you know, 120 guys or however many made the cut 80 guys i guess that made the cut so just i i know there's a lot more that goes into that there is um but anyway um i kind of piggyback off of you tj i think that this whole live pga tour conversation is gonna die way harder on social media than it will in real life i mean you know how it is right i mean social media justice warriors are everywhere and there are real no repercussions for what you say on twitter anymore 
uh, or sure. were there ever. Um, but I think it was a matter of time that a live golfer won a major. And now it kind of, at least in my eyes, it's going to have to force Jay Monahan's hand. Yeah. Um, and at least come to the table and play ball a little bit and yeah. start to have open conversations about what the future of golf looks like, because the more majors that live guys win, the more validated live golf is going to be. Mm-hmm. And the more of a threat it's going to be to the PGA tour. Is there any sort of thing that we can see with the TGL? Skip the PGA completely. And we see a little live TGL type thing. I don't know. That's, that's a good question. That's probably, that's probably a debate for another episode. Cause that's, that's a topic th- for another day. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. you can get, you can get, de- you can get deep in the weeds on that. We'll save that one for next week. How about that? There you go. All right. That'll do it for us here on the Red Dirt Golf Hour for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. We will bring you more action from next week's compliant, excuse me, from next week's Charles Schwab Cup. I almost said the Dean and DeLuca Invitational. You remember Ooh. that one? Yeah. Ooh. We don't want the that. Crown the, the Crown Plaza? The Crown Plaza. Crown Plaza. <laughs> it seems like they've got a, just a rotating sponsorship down there in Fort Worth, but we'll bring you all of that action and more next week on the Red Dirt Golf Hour. Until then, hit them straight. Thanks. Good night.